Almond Almonded Belithium. Almond Ivlethium. Almodid Tev Aim. Almodid the thing. Epitha. 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 I'm like crying. This is ridiculous. This is not. This is not real. Corner Stoners, how are you today? Like, I don't know. That preacher just called me a stoner. Good to see you, Chandler Santan and Scottsdale. Great to have you guys. I'm very, very excited to be here. I am uh, the big butts guy that was here uh, a while back. Um, not the big butt guy, but the big butts guy, if you've been here at Cornerstone for a while. Hey, let's jump right in with big words. If you got your Bibles, you might want to turn to Galatians. We're going to be there in a few minutes, but let's jump in. There seems to be a never-ending question that everybody from the beginning of time seems to be asking. And maybe you ask this of yourself when it comes to God or had people ask you this question. This is the question and how it goes. How do I know that I'm right with God? You ever had anybody ask you that question? How do I know that I'm right with God? Or maybe you've asked that question yourself. Um, and then to make matters worse, human logic and human reasoning and, and more importantly, religion. Religion has seemed to really complicate the simplicity of what knowing Jesus personally is all about. So throughout the course of history, here's what's happened. There seems to be this ongoing tension and problem between religion and the gospel. And over time, religion has made something that was relatively simple, very, very complicated. Let me show you what I mean. One of the big words that we're actually talking about today that's associated with Christianity or salvation or knowing that I'm right with God is the word justification. Say that out loud with me. Nine o'clock service. Ready? Wait, just hold on. I've got the mic. All right. Just chill. On the count of three, justification. One, two, three. Come on, guys. You, you can do better than that. Ready? One, two, three. Justification. Justification. Now, that's a big word. That's a Bible word. That's a church word. But but the, it's a very important word when it comes to knowing what it's to be right with God or knowing that you're right with God. So what, what I want to do today is look a little bit closer at this word justification. But before we do that, I need to set the table for you by first starting to tell you a little bit of why there's so much confusion around what it means to be right with God. So we are going to be in the book of Galatians. If you've got your smart tablets or phones or whatever, your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. In Galatians, we're going to be in chapter 1, but let me kind of give you a little context of what's going on. This is a letter. Uh, Galatians is found in the New Testament. If you go to Matthew and go to the right, it's there. It's a part of the four epistles. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Very easy to memorize. Go eat popcorn, okay? All right? 
So um, Galatians is right there. And this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the first uh, New Testament churches in Galatia. And these churches consisted of a bunch of people that had listened to the story of Jesus. They'd given their lives to Jesus. They'd placed a faith in Jesus. They were right with God. But then Jesus went away, Paul went away, and, and here's what happens. Along those time frames, there were these teachers that began to come in and start teaching new and and just a little bit different things than what Jesus and Paul had taught them. So in essence, here's what happens. These new teachers came into the church and they begin to kind of add to or subtract from the original teachings of Jesus. All right? So now that we're on the same page, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul starts off super nice. Hey, how you doing? That kind of a thing. An apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ, the God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace, peace be with you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and father to whom be glory forever and ever. And that's kind of Paul's sweet way of saying, hey, how's it going? Ha, love you guys. And then away he goes. He starts off by saying now, I am astonished. Paul starts off by saying, I'm shocked. What are you guys doing? What what are you thinking? He, he, let's keep reading. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And that basically means, don't you know? Didn't you hear me clearly the last time that I was there? Are you kidding me? There is no other gospel but Christ's gospel. And then he says, I get what's going on. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, quick time out here for you guys today. All right. Tim did a great job. Your pastor, Tim, uh, a few weeks back and he talked to you about the gospel. I'm going to set the table a little bit with the gospel and let you know about that today. Because you need to know the difference between religion and the gospel before we really understand justification. But here is what. The book of Galatians, the theme is, if you're a note taker, you want to write this down. The theme of Galatians is this, Jesus plus nothing. All right. So we're going to practice that real quick on the count of three, on the count of three, for those of you that want to preach today out there, want to jump the gun. All right. On the count of three, one, two, three, Jesus, nothing that that's it. Hold on to that. Cause that is vital to really understanding justification. So what we see happening here is we have these Gentiles, which was basically anybody that wasn't a Jew that was giving their lives to Jesus. And we have these Jews that were giving their lives to Jesus and they're coming into these newly formed churches. And, and then all of these Jewish people that have these laws and traditions come in and they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good that you place your faith in Jesus. That's awesome. But now you need to add something to that. And what you need to add is something from Jewish tradition. And that being in specific, all the men of the church, Jewish or Gentile, need to be circumcised. Wouldn't that be great next week if Pastor Lynn came up and said, hey, all the guys out there, super glad that you're a cornerstone. But if you want to be called a cornerstoner, you're going to have to be circumcised. That would, that would be a rude awakening. Now, I don't know for sure, but I'm just assuming that was, that was just an early attempt to cut back on the growth of the church. Um, some of you are like, you'll get it later. Okay. Ready? 
So this new addition to the faith started throwing them into a lot of confusion. And Paul was basically saying this, look, I gave you the gospel. It was relatively simple. It was Jesus plus nothing. And when you add to it, you're actually presenting a different gospel. And if you add to the gospel that I gave you, now you're presenting something that's not even the gospel at all. And not only are you adding to it, you're also subtracting from it. And what are you subtracting? You're subtracting what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you in the resurrection. So it's really, really simple, folks, today. And the same is true today. A relationship with Jesus, how to be right with God, the gospel, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing. Nothing more, nothing less. So before we can talk about justification today, I think it's really important that we clearly understand the difference between religion and the gospel. So that's what I want to do first for you today. Give you two primary differences between religion and the gospel. Here's the first one. If you're a note taker, you can write these down. Religion is salvation through moral effort. Now, when I say salvation, if you're new to church today and you're like, well, dude, that's a big word too. All right, let me explain it to you. It's not that hard, all right? Salvation basically means being at peace with God, a relationship with God. It's, it's the answering the question of how do I know that I'm right with God? That, that is what salvation is. I know that I am right with God. And religion teaches that salvation comes through moral effort. Religion is all about this, people working their way to God. Religion is all about basically advice. This is what you need to do to work your way to God. Here's what you need to do to get to God. Now, the gospel is something entirely different. The gospel is salvation by grace through Jesus Christ. That would lead to an amen on your part, okay? Yeah, woohoo! Whatever you want to do, if you're not an amener or anything, just, that's a good one. So you know, and I think Pastor Tim referred to this a couple weeks back, the gospel means this, good news. So, to be clear, and that we're all on the same page, religion is about advice, this is what you need to do to work your way to God, and the gospel is about good news. This is what God has already done to work his way to you in and through the work of Jesus Christ. Another way of saying that, religion, work your way to God. The gospel, God has already worked his way to you. Now, this is very important, okay? If you're here today, wherever you're at in, in your spiritual journey. If you're not a Christian and you're wondering what this whole Christian thing is, you don't even know why you're here today, somebody brought you, all right? And you're wondering what it's all about. Here's my challenge for you today. You need to start with the gospel. You need to start with the gospel. And here's what I think you're going to find in the Bible. The Bible teaches over and over, especially in the first part of that passage that we read, you cannot work your way to God. Let me unpack that for you. Have you ever wondered somewhere along your spiritual journey, something like this, or had somebody ask you, how, when it comes to God, how good is good enough? Maybe you've had someone ask you that question. Maybe you've wondered that yourself. Because if it is through moral effort, and I've got to work my way to God, and if goodness is what will get me there, then I'm always going to ask this question. When it comes to God, how good is good enough? Well, here's how the Bible answers that, all right? How good is good enough? The Bible would say, perfection. Perfection. Perfection is good enough. So let me ask you a, a, a quick question. Anybody here today know any perfect people? Teenagers, put your hands down because you're not perfect. All right. Nobody knows any perfect people because there are no perfect people. So if you have to work your way to God, biblically speaking, you have to be perfect, which ultimately means, guess what, friends? Good people don't go to heaven. Only perfect people go to heaven. 
Which means we're all screwed. Because <laughs> we don't know any. So the gospel says there's no way you can work your, uh, work your way to God. So here's what happens. Good news. Good news. God and his love and his mercy and his grace has worked his way to you in and through the work of Jesus Christ. So if you're not a Christian today, my challenge, start with the gospel. If you are a Christian today, let me hear you. Good. Here's my advice for you. Stay with the gospel. Okay. Stay with the gospel. Let me unpack that for you. If you've been in church for any amount of time in your life, you can probably remember the moment in time in which you said yes to Jesus. And you remembered in that moment that you were surrendering your life to Jesus and you understood there was nothing else to it. I was placing a faith in him. All right. And you couldn't do anything about it. All you could do is just surrender your life. Through his grace and mercy. You realize in that moment, it's not my righteousness, but his. It's not my morals, but his. It's not my works, but his. So so you trusted in that moment, I can't get there on my own. So I'm trusting that he came to me. But here's what happens, all right? I've been in ministry for over 20 years and I see it all the time and I've done it myself. Over time, after we've said yes to Jesus, to the gospel, here's what we tend to do. We tend to move at times in our life out of the gospel, from being in the gospel to being out of the gospel. And suddenly we walk into dangerous ground and we start mixing the gospel with religion. And some of you are like, well, how do you know that? Since growing up and saying yes to Jesus, how many times have you thought this? God knows what I did last week and he's mad at me because... Or God knows what I did this week and he's happy with me because you can fill in the blank. And we do this all the time. And when we think God is mad at us, what do we do? We think we need to start working our way back into God's good graces. Or we think we need to enhance the goodness that we're doing over here. And we need to get better and better. And we start mixing the gospel and religion. And we begin removing ourselves out of the reality of the gospel. And we start practicing something false. It's actually called pseudo-Christianity. Pseudo-Christianity. It's a mixture of religion and the gospel, which, by the way, is no gospel at all. So if you're not a Christian, start with the gospel. If you are a Christian, stay with the gospel. All that to simply say this. His love for you is not based on your goodness. His love for you is based on his goodness. That. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Give me a hallelujah. Wave the flag. Woo! Now, real quick, real quick, we'll come back to this, all right? Because a lot of people come up to me and say, well, what about works? Because there's works in the Bible and there's things. Listen, why do I read my Bible? Why do I share my faith? All that stuff. Hey, listen, in the gospel, it's not about earning, but it does involve effort. And I'm going to come back to this in a minute. So hold on to that. I'm going to briefly explain what that whole works idea is, okay? Because in, in actuality, our effort is just learning more about God. That's what it is. So hold on to that. Here's the second one. Religion versus the gospel. Religion focuses on what I do or don't do. So the focus is on you. It's on me. The gospel, however, focuses on what Jesus has already done. And the massive difference between the religion, between religion and the gospel is in those two words, do and done. Do and done. Let me break that down for you so you understand. I think we'd all agree. That whatever it is in life that draws our attention and we focus on in our life, we tend to move towards that. For example, 
At the beginning of every new year, many of you may be like me. And you focus on losing weight and starting to get in shape. So many of us do this at the beginning of the year. We move towards the gym. We move towards healthier eating habits. But eventually, what happens after two, three, four months? We end up going back to just getting fatter and eating bad. Er. I've been on a diet for six months. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so, so I focus on that. And if we look at that idea through the context of faith, here's what we see. Whatever you and I focus on, that sin, that stronghold that just has us under control, and we say, I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to stop drinking. I don't like what it's doing to me. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop losing my temper. We focus on that stronghold, that sin, that setback. And what do we always end up doing sooner rather than later? Right. The very thing that we are focusing on. Why? Because our minds are consumed with it. So because religion focuses on me and what I do or don't do. Get this, friends. In actuality, religion focuses on sin. And the gospel doesn't focus on sin. It focuses on Jesus. And if all I ever do is focus on sin, I'm going to keep moving towards sin. But if I focus on Jesus, I'm going to move away from sin. And some of you are like, how do you know that? The Bible? <laughs> Romans 5 or 8, 5. Those of you who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those of you who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on the spirit desire. Modern day translation. You focus on sin, guess what you're going to do more of? You focus on Jesus, guess what you're going to move, be more evident in your life. Okay, now we got all that. Okay, we got all that. So let's talk about justification. And the context of what I read to you today, we're going to find in Galatians chapter 2. So it just should be a couple pages to your right, okay? Galatians 2. And remember, once again, Paul's talking now specifically to the Jewish Christians that are coming in and they're saying, you need to be circumcised, okay? And all that. And he's like, no, 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 no. So this is what it is. And this is where we find our big word, justification. And the power of justification. Galatians chapter 2, 15 through 21. Paul says this. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles basically means we're not like those sinners. I know you've never done that. I know or we know that a person is not justified and underline the word justified or highlight it in your in your Bible phones, whatever, because Paul's going to refer to it four times here in this passage. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. Here it is. They're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Once again, there's a theme, Jesus plus nothing. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, Jesus plus nothing, that we may be justified, where? By faith in Christ, Jesus plus nothing. And not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, nobody can be justified. So let me break that down and tell you what Paul is saying here. He's writing to the Jewish Christians that are coming in and saying you need to add to and subtract from. He says, listen, listen, guys, as Jews, we know that we have the law. We know we have rules and traditions from God. That's our Old Testament. We know that. And we also know that these Gentiles that are getting saved, they don't have traditions. So we know that we're sinful and we really know that they are sinful. That's what he's saying out of the gate. Even though, however... 
we have the law, we now know, since we all know, and I've been telling you this over and over in this letter, what Jesus did for us, we now, we're now justified by faith. And not only are we justified by faith, but we're justified by faith in Christ alone. And that means he's all we need now. He's all we need. And here's Paul's point. He goes, we know this, guys. And guess what? The Gentiles know this now too. So stop telling the Gentiles that they need to add to our laws in addition to their personal faith. Because I'll say it again. It's all about Jesus plus nothing. Now, Paul goes back and forth with this word justified. And that's our big word today. And many of you here may not know what the word justified means. So let me enlighten you. Justified or justification is an accounting term. It's an accounting term. And it means that if you owe someone big time and they come along and say, you know what? You don't owe me anymore. They cover a debt. That's what justified means, to cover a debt. All right? So if you remember anything I said in the preface of this message, religion is all about advice. This is what you need to do to work your way to God. And the gospel is all about good news. It's not advice. It's good news. The good news that God has already done the work for you in and through his son, Jesus Christ. Then, then taking that in consideration, here, here's what Paul is basically saying to the, the Jewish believers here. Stop telling the Gentiles that they need to do more. Stop giving them advice. You, you already know that this is about news, good news of what Jesus has already done for you. Now, here's, here's what you got to get about justified and the magnitude of, of this big word. Here's what you may not know today. You and I are all at birth separated from God. Big, huge, vast separation. And there is no way back to God. This is, the, this is what leads us all to the question. How do I know that I'm right with God? How do I know? How can I get right with God? And here is what separates us. This whole big gap right here in the middle, it's called sin. Sin has separated us from God. And because of our sin, guess what? Our account, our standing is in really bad shape, which basically means all of us in this room, we owe God big time. Big time. So you've got religion that teaches this is how you can pay off that debt. This is how you can get back with right with God. And you have the gospel that says, huh, you can't pay off the debt. So God in his love and his mercy and his grace paid that debt for you on the cross. So when Paul is saying the word justified here, it means this, that God covered your debt. Something that you could never pay. So therefore now your account, your standing with God it's as if just as if I never sinned. What? Come on now. What? I'm going to start waving this thing again. Think about the magnitude of this. Because you're all sinners. Don't you love that? Don't worry about it. I'm a sinner too. But because of our sin, we are out of whack. We are out of balance with God. But God, through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, covered the debt, balanced the ledger sheet. We now stand before him just as if we'd never sinned. There's your cue. 
There's your cue. The debt's been paid. The gap has been bridged in what we have done. No, in what Jesus has already done. Here's something pretty fascinating. You may not know this. The last thing that Jesus said on the cross, we do know this because we always read it in our Bibles at Easter time. It is finished. And in the Greek, that those words are to telestai. And to telestai in the Greek means this. The debt, the account has been paid. That's what Jesus said on the cross as he breathed and said his last words. The debt has been paid. But here's what we do. We do the same things that the Galatian church was doing. We go back and we try to mix law and grace. And we learn, we lean back because we just, we screwed up last week. And God knows it, so there's got to be something I can do to get back in his good graces. So, so here's what, what, what do we do? We, we try to work our way back to God. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not how I see you anymore. Confess it. Repent from it. That was week two, right? Repent from it. And just understand that I see you as justified. Wow. So Paul's like, no, 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 guys. Justification. All right, Christ alone, Jesus plus nothing. In Jesus, he justified our account. In Jesus, it's just as if you'd never sinned. Furthermore, meaning I'm not counting on my righteousness to get to him. I'm counting on his righteousness. It's already come to me. And that's huge, friends. Let's keep walking. Verse 17, Paul continues. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, looking at the Gentiles, if we, if we, if we being justified in Christ, we're still around them who, you know, they're apparently sinning because they're not doing our laws and traditions. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. This is kind of grace abusers, freedom in Christers. This is one of those things in which I have many conversations as a pastor and people are like, you Christians, you've got it so, so easy. I'm like, whatever, whatever do you mean? He's like, well, all you have to do is, you know, just say you're sorry to Jesus and he forgives you. And then you can go back out and sin, sin, sin and say you're sorry again. See, it's just too easy. And that's exactly what they're kind of saying right here in this passage. If we find ourselves among sinners and they keep sinning around us, does that mean that Christ says it's okay to keep sinning? Because I kind of like that. And Paul answers with an emphatic, absolutely not, you idiots. And that's my translation, the PJV. It's in my Bible right here. Pastor Josh version. Now, this next part, I, I said I'd come back to, and when you read the New Testament, you will see works. And people want, well, what are works? What are works? Here's what works are. We, we are supposed to do some things as believers, but there's a big difference. Don't miss this today. Those works that we are to do, they're not about earning. Those works are about learning. Those works are not about earning, they're about learning. Because here's the deal, folks, when you and I can genuinely understand God's grace, his mercy and his justification, understanding that he covered a debt that I could never pay, placed me in a right standing with him, justified me when I can truly understand that and grasp the magnitude of being saved from that, that he worked his way to me because there's nothing I could do to work my way to him. Then friends, here's what I know. There is only one 
response that demands and requires of you. Full devotion. Full devotion. So that essentially means when we come to church, it has nothing to do with earning. That's already happened through Jesus Christ at the cross. But we're trying to learn some things. Yeah, we're trying to learn more about who Jesus is. When I read my Bible, I'm not earning. I'm learning. When I give to God with my time, talents, and treasures, I'm not earning. I'm learning. When I go to a small group, I'm not earning. I'm learning. Paul, you get that part? If you don't, I got to keep moving. I got two and a half minutes, okay? (laughs) Paul continues and he says this. Hey, listen, guys, if I... If I were to try and rebuild what I destroyed, you know, the law, good works, good behavior, effort, what I can do to earn my way to God. Just think about this, guys. If I were to go back and try to rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Duh. But that's not how I see it anymore. Here's how I see it now. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might what? Live for God. And Paul basically is saying here, come on, guys. I'm not trying to measure myself against good works and standards and law anymore. I put my faith in Christ now, which means I'm not a law man anymore. I'm a God man. Turn to somebody right now and say, I'm a God man. That's what it is. God's the one that holds my salvation. God holds my standing with him. God is the one who says I'm justified. I'm not a law man. I'm a God man. Then he emphasizes emphasizes it all with just this one last powerful thought that you've probably heard or read before in the Bible. He says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, it is all about Jesus and what he did on the cross for me now. My whole life is now about making his name more famous. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, it's, it's not about me doing the law anymore. It's about Christ in me learning how to live in and with him. The life I now live in the body, this physical thing, I live by what? Faith in who? The son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then he wraps it up with just this one huge, big, boom, baby. I do not set aside the grace of God. And that just means this. I I cannot, I cannot make less of Jesus or what Jesus has done. I can only now, from now on, make much of what Jesus has done in my life. I will not reduce the amazing grace of God, which is and always will be Jesus plus nothing. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then think about this, guys. If righteousness, if salvation could be gained through my works and my good efforts? If that is that, you're smarter than this, he says. If that's how I could gain righteousness, if that's how I could be right with God, then Christ died for nothing. And you know what that means? That means this. If I could do it, then why would I need a savior? Why would I need a savior? And that, friends... That is the greatest part about being justified by God's grace through faith. It not only completely frees you from your guilt and shame, from the gap between you, it also empowers you from that day forward to live a life knowing that you are right with God, not by what you do, but what Jesus has already done for you. I got done with just over 26 seconds. Hey, stand to your feet with me. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I want to leave you with one last thought. 
One last thought. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Thank you again for allowing me to serve you today. I don't know where many of you are at with Jesus today. I am a guest and I am an honored guest to be able to speak the truth of the word of God in your life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're right with God. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus looks like. But if you were to take one thing away today, this is what I would pray you would take away. The most important thought. Justification by faith through grace is not only what saves you, it empowers you to be right with God. And friends, I cannot begin to tell you how big, big, big of a deal that is. That, friends, is the power of relationship. That is the power of the gospel. That is the power of faith. That is the power of grace. That is the power of justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. So my challenge for you today is this. If you're out there wanting to be right with God, stop trying to do it yourself. Because there's nothing you can do to get right with God. Accept the fact that he's already worked his way to you and justified your account, made you look just as if you'd never sinned. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thanks. Thanks for my friends at Cornerstone, Chandler, Scottsdale, and Santan. I praise you. And I pray that maybe today somebody, the light went on and they realized, wow, I can be made right with God. And I don't have to do anything about that except confess my sins and repent. And God will erase the debt. That's it. That's it. That's the beauty and the power of justification. I pray that maybe, just maybe, if somebody here today, it triggered in their heart that they would find somebody to learn a little bit more about what it means to give their life to Christ and to be made right with God. We praise you and your precious and your holy, holy, holy son's name. And all of God's people said.